Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Let's get into the Word. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. I want to first of all, Lord, pray, and if you guys can agree with me, we lift Australia up to you, Lord. We continue to pray for this nation. Father, it's our desire that you keep her, that you guide her, that you protect her. Father, we lift up all the leaders. Father, we thank you that their hearts are in your hand. And Father, that you steer their hearts, Father God, in the direction. We we desire a nation that goes toward righteousness and godliness and not the other way. So Father, we trust you for that, that you continue to lead, guide, take care of Australia, Father, in Jesus' name. And then, Father, for this message today, Father, I thank you, Lord. I acknowledge that I need your help to minister the word. I cannot do it without you. So, Father, I acknowledge you. And as a result of that, I give you all the praise and glory, Father, that, that when you speak through me, Father, thank you for uh, your presence. Thank you for your ability. Thank you for your help that you help me to speak, Father. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So I mentioned last week that when I minister, we were going to look like on and off as the Lord leads things that produce stability. And of course, you know, stability really helps us to do life. Uh, So when we run up into things in life, you know, uh, if we have truth and Bible truth, it really helps us to hold up in life. And so I mentioned last week some real popular sayings that we've all heard out there. And I'm gonna, we're going to look at two of them. But here's some of the things I mentioned last week. We'll focus in on two. You never know what God is going to do. God's ways are mysterious. God punished him or her for their sin. God gave them that sickness to teach them something. That is the cross God gave them to carry. God is humbling them and making them suffer. How could God allow this? If there is a God, why is there war, killing, and famine? That happened to them because they're out of God's will. So we mentioned those. We're going to look like mainly focusing on two of them. And there's others, you know. And then um, there's actually scriptures in the Bible that make people wonder. And I, I want to like look into those scriptures down the road. Like it's an example, you know, the communion, the, 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 the part in communion where it says there's many that are sick and weakly among, uh, amongst you because they, and the reason that they were is, is they did not discern the body. So, you know, that makes people wonder, you know, if they get attacked with sickness, is that me? Did I not discern the body? Uh, various things like that. There's a scripture in Corinthians where Paul the apostle with his apostolic authority turned somebody over to, the, uh, to the Satan for the destruction of their flesh. So, you know, there's just a few of those kind of things in the New Testament and people read and then it causes all kind of wonderment. And so uh, I'm going to eventually look into those things because if we get clarity on all these things, it does bring stability. It brings confidence. And I think it's really important for us to have that as Christians. So here's a question, you know, is it possible that we know what God will do in certain situations? And I've met people out there. um, Now, as far as the body of Christ is concerned, I make it my business, if that's the way, you know, the phrase that I use there, to stay friends with the entire body of Christ. I don't really believe in Xing people out, pushing them aside, writing them off. That's, that's just not who I am. So if I can have discussion with people and talk, I'm always going to try to do it. So if they believe really different than me, and it even might irritate me the way they believe, I want to have discussion with you. And if there is a way 
for us to talk. That's what, that's what I'm going to do. But I, I mean, of course, I'm going to stay with my beliefs. But I want to talk. I don't want to, like, like have a, any kind of separation there. So that's what I would prefer doing. So some say it's not possible to know what God is going to do. Some say it's prideful to think you could ever know what God is going to do in every, any given situation. And so is that really true? I really don't think it's prideful if we say, well, I think I know what God would do in that situation. And so by the time we get done today, if you think it's prideful, let's, see, let's look into the Word and see what the Bible says about these kind of things. So here's what we want to focus in on today. You never know what God is going to do and God's ways are mysterious, okay? Those are very popular out there. Now, this happened to me about 42 years ago, right around the time I became a Christian. And because it happened to me so long ago, sometimes I forget to tell this part, uh, and it was a very important part in my formation. So you know my story, how my brother died of grandma epilepsy. He had a seizure, and he drowned at the age of 21. Told that story. And then we became Christians. But then, uh, you know, it was really time for us to go somewhere that taught the word. So we, we told the, uh, a lady that was having Bible studies at her house in our denominational church, she, we told her we're going to look for a church that teaches the Bible. And she goes, I'm going to prove to you that you don't have to do that. You can get everything right here. So she uh, invited us to a Bible study where she had a pastor from Pennsylvania coming over Pittsburgh we lived in, in, you know, near Youngstown, so he just drove an hour. I'm friends with him today. We've actually been in this church, and we, we were guest speakers for him. That, but this happened a long time ago. And uh, so he came to the Bible study, and he taught, and his message that night was, your destiny is in your heart and your mouth. And I thought, because, you know, I was told growing up, that God just does stuff, and you don't have any, you don't have any choice. He, if he wants to give you sickness, you just say, I'll take it. And it's always, it's always God doing it. He gets blamed for everything. If there's a, a cyclone or if there's a hurricane, it was God sent the cyclone, and God sent in the insurance policy, at least in America, they would say an act of God. And so, like, people are pointing their fingers, blaming him for doing stuff, blaming him for not doing stuff, etc. And so I kind of grew up that way. And then this guy comes to a Bible study, and he, he, he says, he did a message that your destiny is in your heart and in your mouth. And then he gave plenty of scripture to show what he was talking about. And that was, like, revolutionary and radical for me to hear that. So... <clears throat> What happened, you know, is the lady said, I want you guys to come here and show you that you can get everything right here. So after the Bible study, she goes, so what do you think? Well, I actually got set so free because we thought the church that we grew up in, they would say, if you ever leave here, like lightning is going to come down and strike you and kill you. So she said, what do you think after that? You see that you can get everything right here? And I said, no, actually, what I see is the opposite I am, I am free, and I'm out of here. And the next week, our whole family was in a Pentecostal church, you know, except my father. He wasn't saved yet. And he went, the next week he came, because he was all by himself. We were always on the front row. 
all nine of us on the front row all the time. And uh, so, well, there was eight of us because my brother went home to be with the Lord. But um, so he was all by himself and he came to check us out the next week where we were. And he listened, came back the next week and he listened. And then the third week just happened to be Easter Sunday. And that's the week that my father raised both of his hands and received Jesus as Lord. And, and we, we were only there a few weeks, but, you know, it wasn't a real large church. It was mainly Italian, and they have a tendency to be emotional, like, you know, and talk with their hands, too. But um, what my father came up with both hands up, you know, and everyone, like, all the young people that I knew there, they start crying, and they, they took me, and they brought me up, and my brother, and we got around my father, and they're all crying, and they're hugging my father, and he doesn't know what to do with that, because... You know, he was a tradie his whole life and worked in shops, and then, you know, they, he wasn't used to that kind of stuff. So he's just standing there, and they're all hugging him and crying. He didn't know why they were doing that. Uh, he eventually softened up, and he could say, I love you, and stuff like that. Um, so it really made a difference. But what am I saying here? That was the first time in my life that I ever heard anything like that, that my destiny can be in my heart and my mouth and then he clearly taught what the Bible says about what you believe and what you say. God's promises. I, first time I ever heard that. Now, just kind of thinking about God and how he is, but then what people experience here on the earth. So here's just like, a, like some of the better things about the human race, because they're a lot worse. But like what, what people discover with, when you're around people, they can be hostile, cruel, domineering, deceitful, dishonest untrustworthy, stubborn, unpredictable, impatient, unreliable, jealous, possessive, resentful, careless, irresponsible, quick-tempered, grumpy, uh, moody, pessimistic, touchy. I didn't put murderers and all that on there, serial killers, but see, so what happens is we get born into the earth, and then we're around the human race, and we're around all this kind of stuff. People have, they have fathers that are like this, and then they start thinking that that's the way God is, and then people start getting an idea, and then if, if somebody behind the pulpit confirms that, that God, you never know what God's going to do, he's not reliable, you know, that's not, that's not a good way to get people formed. That's not, a good, that's not good for a belief system, okay? So even though people have these kind of traits, it's really important for us not to even think God is like that at all. And we're going to see enough scriptures today to show that. But when we do look into it today, here's something you can ask yourself. Does what I'm hearing line up with Scripture? Is what I'm hearing consistent with God's character? And those are always two simple questions you can ask yourself when, when the Word's being taught. Does it line up with Scripture? And is what I'm hearing consistent with God's character? And so my desire is to do that today, and I'll do the best I can. Uh, I'll never claim that I'm 100% right on anything, but I'm really doing my best to rightly divide the Word. And so, like, here's what we're going to look at today, then. When can we know what God will do? Okay? When can we know what God will do? And we're going to look at four things about that. We're going to look at a time when God changed his mind. We're going to look at times when God couldn't do. We're going to look at God's will clearly revealed. We're going to look at scriptures that reveal God's will and make it clear. Then we're going to see a, a scripture that has his word, his character, and our response all mixed together. That's how we'll close up today. Here's the desired outcome that I'm wanting to happen today with all of us. And that's over here in Acts 26 and verse 28. It says, Then Agrippa said to Paul, 
you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And I thought that was interesting because he almost was persuaded to receive Jesus as Lord. And so for all of us, the reason that we're here today, and if you're here and you're not in this category, we will give you an opportunity. And if you're watching online and you're not in this category where you receive Jesus as Lord and you're a Christian, uh, there has to come a time where people get, he said, you almost persuade me. In other words, he wasn't fully persuaded, so he didn't receive Jesus as Lord. Uh, all of us are going to get persuaded about something. I mean, you, we all have our convictions, and there's like these things that we hear that, you know, that we build a belief system, and then we get persuaded with that belief system. And so, you, you know what, for Christians, the best thing is to make sure that we're persuaded about right stuff, correct stuff, okay? So that, that word persuade means, you know, that it's to, to convince, put trust in, be sure, kind of made a tap, typo there, win over, won over, that kind of thing. So when you, you can get won over, you know, God's word can, I told you last week that I had a wrong belief system and God's word just overrode it. It just demolished my old belief system and I have a different belief system because that's how powerful the word of God is. And, and so, you know, I got won over by truth. I got, I, I, you know, I, I became sure about things of God. I, I, my, I, trust, I, got my, I put my trust in the right place, like all that kind of stuff. So that's what the desired uh, outcome today is. So here's a question. Is there a non-mysterious side of God that lets us know what he will or won't do? Because there's people out there that say he's mysterious. And they, they build this belief system and they think God's mysterious. You can, you can never figure him out. And they make that statement because they look around, they read the news, they look at what's going on in the world, and they see crazy things going on, and unfortunately, they think God's behind all of it. And so they think, oh, God's mysterious. You know, when I wake up tomorrow, you never know what's going to happen. That's, that's what happens to people. And so we just want to see, is there a non-mysterious side of God that lets us know what he will do or won't do? Okay? So here's, here, here's a statement. We don't have to live in a state of never knowing what God will do for us and being afraid of what he will do to us. And my heart goes out for anyone that lives that way, that they're afraid, you know, like they don't know what God will do for them, and they're actually sometimes afraid of what God will do to them. And it's not a good place to live. And so we want to look at this today. And I said last week, how we see God and how we see his character, it's a big deal. I, I mean, it, it's a big deal. And, and, so, and then if we can get it, we can actually pass it on. You, you may have family and friends, people you love, and you want to help them. And you can help them see God like the Bible portrays God. It'll be a blessing to them, okay? So look at, uh, um, and I think that, you know, two big things where people have the wrong beliefs, they don't know God's character and they don't know his word. So look at Mark 12 and verse 24. It says, Jesus said to them, is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scripture nor the power of God. Now, I do appreciate Jesus because he came to the earth and he wasn't afraid to say you're wrong. And I think, you know, in today's world, there's a growing fear of disagreeing and saying something's wrong. But if, the, if we're Christians and the Bible says something, we shouldn't be afraid to say, excuse me, that, that's not what the Bible says. There's different ways to say it. And I, I mean, you know, like, 
There's the book that's been out for a long time, How to Win Friends and Influence People. You know, I, I mean, that's an old book. They got a lot, many more books that came out along those same lines. But I think it wouldn't be a bad idea for Christians to get a little, you know, like get a little more uh, up to date on how to communicate because once we turn somebody off, it's hard to get, it's hard to win them back to help them again. So it's good to learn how to communicate, but we, we don't have to, we, we need to say what the truth is. So Jesus came and he said, the re, you're wrong. And he said, and the reason you're wrong is because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. And so people that don't know scripture, they can be wrong about a lot of different things. So I said this last week, it brings great stability when our understanding of God's character and his ways are, are biblically balanced. Okay, it, it really is huge to be biblically balanced. And then I said this last week, what we believe about the nature and character of God is of utmost importance. We are either growing in freedom or we're held captive by lies about God. Now here's a new one for this week. When we know his word, which is his will, and his character, it brings stability into our lives, and that creates no more wondering but confidence. And I think every Christian should come to a place where they have confidence. Do I, can I ever know what God is going to do? And we're going to look at that today. So here's the first thing, we, though. We want to look at a time when God changed his mind. This story is about Hezekiah. In Isaiah 38, 1, it says, In those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall uh, die and you shall not recover. So back in, under the old covenant, because only a few people had the Spirit of God, People didn't hear from God like we can. Now, in the New Covenant, you know, he comes on the inside, his spirits in us, as many as are led by the Spirit of God or the sons of God. So in the Old Covenant, a prophet gave direction. In the New Covenant, a prophet can confirm direction, but we should get it because God speaks to us. So if, if I get prophesied to, to pack my bags and move to Alaska, and it was never in my heart, I'll say, well, I'm going to put that on the shelf. I'm not going to disrespect you, uh, your word or anything, or disrespect you as a person, but I had no clue in my heart that God said to go to Alaska. So just because you gave me that word, it's on the shelf, and if the Lord ever talks to me about Alaska, then I'll think you, that was an early confirmation. <laughs> Does that make sense? So we have to know that as Christians. As many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, and he will speak to us. So uh, we get confirmation, okay? So here's the next thing that happens. So, well, I said all of this to say, th this is like God speaking to you in the Old Covenant. When a prophet comes up and says that, it's like God himself speaking. That's serious. He said, you're going to die, and you're not going to recover. And then in verse 2, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. He's repenting, and he, he said, please, O oh Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And then look what happens. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. And he told Isaiah, go and say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. 
And so what you see there is God changed his mind. Hezekiah the prophet said, you're going to die, and you're not going to get better. He turned to the Lord, he prayed, and then the Lord sent Hez- Isaiah back and told Hezekiah, you're gonna, I'm giving you 15 more years. So we read that in the Old Testament, and then some Christians think, well, is that the way that it would work in the New Testament? Well, in the New Testament, we, and I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but we don't need, we can, well, don't, let me just say this. It's important, I'm getting ahead. It's important to know the difference of the Old and New Testaments. So this just came into my heart, these sentences here. They were both governed by God's word, that's the Old and the New, and God's word put boundaries up. He crafted both covenants. That's what God did. So if God changed his mind in the Old Covenant based upon people's behavior or performance, do we carry that into the New Covenant? If he changed his mind back there because Isaiah uh, uh, changed his behavior, what, is, what happens in this covenant? Okay, so in our covenant, Jesus died for people with bad behavior. Everyone was sinners, so Jesus came to die for sinners. The result of his death, burial, and resurrection is we actually preach the good news to sinners because Jesus died for sinners, right? And our covenant is a measured amount of time where God is reconciling the world to himself through his son. That's our covenant. And what God has done and what he is doing and will do is laid out clearly in the New Testament. So here's even an example of the difference between what happened there and here. The, the book of Hebrews said that we can go boldly to the throne room of grace to find help if we have any needs. So in the Old Testament, the prophet went to him and said, you're going to die, you're not going to get better. Then he came back and said, you're getting 15 more years. In the new, you know, he needed to repent. In the new covenant, if somebody sins, what do you expect? Well, you go to the throne room of grace, and you say, Heavenly Father, I miss it, I sinned, and I'm coming here for mercy. It's a totally different thing. Okay? So, you, you can't go like thinking, well, that happened here, is that going to happen to me? It, it shouldn't happen to you, because we all have the opportunity to the, go to the throne room of grace. And God's not going to violate that. God won't violate that, okay? All right. So let's talk about this then with some people. There are some that struggle to keep their flesh under. And they, get, they have habits that happen, and they're not able to overcome, and uh, they try, but what then happens is some people have gotten in car wrecks because they were high. Some people have overdosed, and they've died at a young age. So the, the best way to say it is, some people, then what happens is somebody says, well, look, at God judged them. But in reality, what really happened is they, they were prey to the devil and natural repercussions because of the choices they made. They made wrong choices, they became prey for the devil, and that's what happened to them. So, like to say it this way, the road of wrong choices isn't a respecter of persons. If people choose that road, they get the conditions of that road. Okay, I'll say it one more time. The road of wrong choices isn't a respecter of persons. If people choose that road, they get, that, they get the conditions of that road. All right, But here's what happens, and here's what I wanted to say about that. 
you go to a funeral and somebody behind a pulpit is doing a funeral for a 20-year-old that was high on drugs. They were driving 200 kilometers. They got in a car accident and they got killed. And then behind the pulpit you hear it, it was God's will that God decided to take that 20-year-old. It was that 20-year-old's time. Excuse me, how did God get in on that? And why did God get blamed for that? You see what I'm saying? And, if, and so we, we have to understand, you know, what does the Bible say about these things? The 20-year-old made wrong choices. And that wrong, those wrong choices led to that. And so the, the 20-year-old's life was robbed from them, but don't say that God decided to take him at 20 years old. Is it okay to say that? I'm just, I'm preaching the truth. You know, I, I, that's, you know we can't change, and we can't point our finger at God and blame him for everything. Okay? And so that's just, the, I just wanted to say, you know, like show that to lay a foundation. Here's the next thing we want to look at, and this is two times, or I'm not, this is the second thing, but it's not two, it's more, it's times when God couldn't. Like, let's just look at a few scriptures when God wanted to, but he couldn't. Okay, so here's the first one. This is when his word found no place. In John 8, 37, it says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. And so when the word doesn't find a place in somebody, what happens? Well, Jesus says, you know, you actually want to kill me because you're not giving place to the word. So even though Jesus wanted to help them by preaching the gospel to them, he could not help them because they wouldn't give place to the word. And so somebody in that category, you can't blame God for anything that would happen to them. God shouldn't get the blame for that. Then here's another one, when the word is despised. And he said, why do, do you not understand what I say? It is because you could not bear to hear my word. And so they despise the word, and because they despise it, they didn't understand it. And so, you know, sometimes people say, I don't understand. Well, you know, you know maybe ask God to give you a hunger for the word, and just say, I just love his word, and my heart is open. But here's an interesting thought, too. You know, there are some that say that God controls every single thing, so people that would despise the word and, 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 uh, and not give it place that God's behind that. Here's what we have to remember. God foresees the future. So when Jesus came to the earth and he began to preach, God has foreknowledge and he knew that they would harden their heart. One reason is they were under the law. They were very territorial for what they had. And when Jesus came, those Pharisees and Sadducees, they wouldn't open up their heart. And some people say, well, God did all of that. He made them like that. Well, it's hard for me because... God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the whole world that whoever would believe in him might be saved. So it's hard for me to say that God's hardening people's heart and he's controlling everything and he's stopping people from accepting and receiving him. He has foreknowledge and he knows that people are going to do that. Okay, look at this one. Look at when traditions and culture override his word. So in Mark chapter 7 and verse 13, it says, Thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. 
So uh, anything that's cultural and, uh, or tradition, it can actually make the word of God void. And so like I mentioned in the earlier service, growing up Italian, and then I lived in Italy. We lived in Italy for 10 years, and we, we taught in Bible schools. So when we first moved there, when I, we asked the students, we would say, come stai, that means how are you? And they would say, non, non, non c'è male, which means I'm not bad. Now, we never told them anything about it, but it's not a very positive, like, how are you? I'm not bad. It's kind of like the attitude there, because that was the culture. And it was almost like, you know, to think about living a blessed life, which, by the way, that movie that was made by the Italian guy in the prison camp, he was very positive. I don't know if he ever said non c'è male, like not bad. That was a very positive guy, so you can see that not every Italian has to be that way. But what was very interesting that after we taught the word in the Bible school for so long, when you ask the Italians, when you say come aside, they would say excellente. They stopped saying non c'è male, not bad. Some of them would say, and I forgot how to say it now, io sono, how do you say I'm blessed? I forgot. Benedicto, sono benedicto, I think, that I'm blessed. Thank gracias. She speaks Spanish. Um, but they started to, they, the word of God, they, they overcame their cultural and traditional ways, and they started to say, excelente, and I'm blessed. They even, as they went along, I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I'm the head and not the tail. They started to talk completely different when they got into the Bible. So you can see, though, that traditions and culture can make the word of God of no effect. And then here's another one, not mixing faith with it. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2, it says, For we also are having good news proclaimed, even as they... So it's uh, comparing the people back in the Old Testament to them, but, but it says about them, But the word they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. So... Uh, so if we do not mix faith with what we hear, it's very possible it won't profit us. And then this last one is unbelief. In unbelief in Mark chapter 6 and verse 5, it says, And he could not do a mighty miracle there, except he laid his hands on a few who were out of health and cured them. And he wondered at their unbelief, so he went around about and criticized them and uh, cut them off. No, it says he went round about adjacent vi- villages teaching. And I love that about Jesus. You know, he wondered about their unbelief, but, you know, the best cure for unbelief is to teach the word. And so they weren't able to receive because of their unbelief, and that's why we keep sitting under the word. That's why we keep preaching and teaching the word, because the best way to get rid of unbelief, faith comes by hearing the word. And so that's what you see Jesus there. So those, what we just looked at, they can be hindrances, but that's when God wanted to do. Jesus wanted to do a mighty work, but he couldn't do it. And so it, it shows you the power of our belief system, and what we believe, it really matters. Now let's look at this third thing, and, that's the, and this is going to be real quick, and then we're going to finish up. But God's will clearly revealed. Love these scriptures. We're just going to kind of do a scriptural shower here. Look at Numbers twenty-three nineteen. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will not do, or has he spoken and, he, and will not fulfill it? So you want to know how God is, you know, this scripture in itself can get rid of a lot of uncertainty. He's not a man. He doesn't lie. Uh, He doesn't change his mind. If he said something, he's going to do it. If he spoke something, he's going to fulfill it. 
And that's personally, but that's on a big scale. All the prophecies about Jesus coming back to the earth, make no mistake, in the last days it said there's going to be mockers and they're going to say, where is he? But he is going to come back. The Bible says that the nations will mourn when they see him and they're going to say, why? Why didn't we believe? Hello? You know, you had an opportunity and the nations will mourn, okay? Uh, then Jeremiah 1.12, and Je- Jehovah said to me, thou hast well seen, for I am watching over my word to do it. That's both personally and big. So God's watching over all the prophecies about what's going on, the big thing in the world, and, and, and Jesus coming back. But if he gives a promise that by my stripes you are healed, and we take that promise, by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed, he watches over that to perform it. He watches over his word to do it. So we're, we're talking about, can we really know what, if God, will God do it? 2 Corinthians 1.18, I love this. This is New Testament, and look what it says. As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim among you, Sylvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. And then this verse, I love it. It says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God. But listen to that. All the promises of God. That word all in the Greek means all. Just kidding, you know. Of course, I don't know if that was funny at all, but I tried to be funny. But for all the promises of God, all of them, find their yes in him. If God promised it and we ask for it, it's yes. People think, well, I wonder if God, God's mysterious. I wonder, you never know what God's going to do. If he promised it, if there is a promise, the answer is yes. It's not yes and no. That's what it's telling us. That's the New Testament. So you can read Old Testament scriptures, and if you allow those to form a belief system that disagree with that, it's the wrong belief system. Because in the New Testament, that's the truth for our covenant. God crafted our covenant with those boundaries. So if he says, all of my promises are yes, there's not going to be a no. So, you know, like, um, there's a a medical doctor that wrote, did she write four books? But anyway, her name was who? You know, the one, yeah, Lillian B. Yeomans, thank you. And she said this simple thing, Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans, of course, she's been up in heaven for a long time. She said, when I pray, if I don't receive an answer, I first of all see is there anything I need to change? Whereas a lot of the world, they'll pray one prayer, and they'll say, it must not be God's will. God must change his mind. But I'm so glad I found out, like I found out about her years ago, and the person I sat under, he learned from her. And that was one of the big things he learned, that she said, when I pray, if I don't get an answer right away, I first of all think, you know, am I praying the right way? I, I examine myself, because... We just read that. All the promises are yes in him. And so let's like take a look at ourselves. Or, you know, sometimes it depends what you're praying for. 
because like for the plans and purposes of God, there's divine timing. So you can say, well, I, I'm claiming this for my ministry, but there may be a timing on that. But, you know, when it comes to sickness and disease, you know, it's, it's nice, you know, there, it's nice to receive that. And so Lillian B. Yeomans, actually, she was going to die, and she needed healing. And so she received, she was a medical doctor that medicine couldn't help. And she ended up being healed supernaturally. And then she gave her life to God and, and serving him over that. And then she wrote that, that, and that's a big thing. So we just have to know. People think, well, maybe God changed his mind. I know the, maybe the Bible says that, but maybe, maybe that's not for me. All the promises of God find their yes in him. That's big. All the promises of God find their yes in him. All right, really quickly, this fourth thing, his word, his character, and our response. And now here's a scripture that I want to read to you, and it, it reveals God's character in it. It reveals his will, and it also shows our part, that, that, how that affects us. So look at 1 John 5, 14. It says, and this is the confidence that we have. It's good to be confident toward him. So what you see there, what happens to us is when we know his character, him, toward him, that's his character, and this is the confidence we have, how it affects us, that if we ask anything according to his word, that's, or his will, that's his word, he hears us. That's big. Some people, well, I wonder if God is hearing, listening to me. Well, if you're praying according to his will, he's listening. If you pray ridiculous stuff that isn't, if there's not a promise in the Bible... You know, if, if you're praying something that has no scriptural bearing on it, of course, he's, he's not going to hear that. But if you find a promise that he promised, he hears you. That's what it says. Can't go against his word. So this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we asked of him. Now, to me, that should eliminate all wondering. And we should know, if we pray according to the will of God, he hears us. And then, if he hears us, we know what we pray, he's going to give it to us. Now, look at the, that. So... Uh, let's look at this in a couple other translations and then we'll close. 1 John 5.14, it says, and we have an assured confidence that whenever we ask anything in accordance with his will, he listens to us. And since we know that he listens to us, then whatever we ask, we know that we have the things which we have asked for from him. That's the Weymouth. And then here's the Message Bible, you know, the cool translation. It says, and how bold and free we bec then become in his presence, freely asking according to his will, sure that he's listening. I like how the sure, you know, the boldness and the sure, and, and, if we're, and if we're confident that he's listening, we know that what we ask for is as good as ours. So you, you might think, well, you know, you're up there teaching like you're like, and maybe you might not think this, but in case you do, like, it sounds like you got it all together and all your prayers are answered. Actually, you know, I just kind of go with what the Word says, so I've had prayers that weren't answered, but I haven't let a non-answer change what I think about His will. So if I do pray a prayer and there isn't an answer, I don't let an experience or a result 
change my idea about God, I go back to the Word and I say, what can, can I do something different? So I, I mean, I landed in the hospital six years ago and almost died. Part of it was because I was stupid. You know, I never blamed God for it, never questioned God. And actually, you know, I, I actually really got, had a nice experience while I was laying in the hospital with prayer and got closer to God. But I never wondered a thing because I know what the Bible says and what that experience could not change what I thought about God. I just want to encourage everyone to be in that place. If the Bible says it, God's not a liar. So I want to invite the worship team up. And this, this is just like in, in uh, just a few practical things to close up here. Everyone is persuaded about something. Everyone is persuaded about something. It's important to become persuaded about correct things. If you're going to be persuaded about something, be persuaded about the right thing. Okay? So, and what happens is when you, when all of us, if we get persuaded about the right thing, we're going to rightly divide God's word. And if we rightly divide the word of God, then we're going to think right about God. So, so here's a few practical things. It's really important for every Christian to know the basic differences between the old and new covenants. That's big. Know what God does and what the devil does. Very simple, but big. I know we say it a lot here, but Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Let's not blame God for what the devil, that's his assignment. Jesus' assignment was to come to give life and life more abundantly. He did his assignment. Now the devil's assignment is to make everyone not believe what Jesus did and to destroy his people. That's what he wants to do. Okay? But thank God. The Bible says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. God wasn't taken by surprise by the devil. He knew way in advance what he wanted to do greater can we all say that together greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world let's say this i can do all things through christ who strengthens me what one last statement here see god's desire god desires us and notice i didn't how i worded this this is just something that came into my heart this statement it's not worded god desires to move us it's worded god desires us to move because we have a part to play. God desires us to move from wondering if to knowing and acquiring what's already ours. Okay, so it's not like wondering. I wonder. It's like knowing. And there's plenty of scriptures there that we looked at where it says, you know. I know he hears me. I know if I ask according to his will, he'll give it. So I'm just pouring out to you guys because I really care and love people and I really want everyone to not have any doubts or wonders and even anyone to think that God's doing things the devil's doing so this one last thing I'm going to invite Marissa up and but like if you if you just even just say this with me heavenly father my heart is open my spiritual ears are open give me ears to hear I desire revelation knowledge of your plans, your purposes, 
the finished work of Christ. I desire to know who I am in Christ. Father, I, I thank you for clarity concerning your will. Amen. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.